Yo, it is Stocks and Bars, the stock market hip-hop podcast, the only place where you can learn finance through hip-hop. And today, who I have with me is a special guest, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I have with me Wordsworth. You may remember him from the Lyricist Lounge, but now he is up to some new things in his life, and he's going to share it with me and you. So stick around, and let's have fun with this show. Let's go. I got my click ready to use the money they got from jobs and coverage and teaching them that it's not so hard. I'm doing this, making investing pop. You law is extra. You tuning in to stocks and bars. Check it out with me today, ladies and gentlemen, who I have with me. So, yo. The guy that I have today is a lyrical assassin, right? I used to watch this guy on the Lyricist Lounge show and faithfully watch it on MTV every single week. And quiet as kept, I got a VCR to make sure on purpose I got a VCR. Went to Best Buy and cop one with the tapes to make sure that I recorded every single episode. And he don't know. I got every single episode on VCR on cassette. <laughs> Still can't play them. But if I do ever find a device again in order to get them off, I still got it. But yo, big fan. He's recently dropped a book called Socks. I'm getting it myself. It's in my cart right now. I'm definitely going to get that. I want to share it with my girls because I read with my girls every single day night and he recently also dropped an album called fragility of life and it's a banging album it is representative of understanding life in the moment that you are in right now but yo i don't want to say anymore i want to introduce you ladies and gentlemen wordsworth yo what's going on my brother i appreciate you coming on the show what's up y'all thanks for having me man i appreciate it too yeah man I'm, I'm a little starstruck. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, but I'm going to hold my composure here because I appreciate you spending your time with me. But, um, yo, I'm from Brooklyn, all right? All right. I used to live on Patchen Avenue, and this was in 80, 81. This is when I was, when I was there, 81 to okay. about 91 or so. I know you're from Brooklyn, so where do you, where do you stay at okay. in Brooklyn? I'm from Kensington, which is like, one street over from where the Flatbush begins. So okay. I grew up okay. Coney Island Avenue and Caton Avenue. Okay. Okay. So Coney Island Avenue, Caton Avenue, Church Avenue. Yeah. Prospect Park is right yeah. across the street from where I live at. Um, you know, parade grounds. If I just say parade grounds, you know what that is. That's where all the sports sports happen, right? The Bonnies. Yeah. All these other things. Uh Skyhawks and all of this used to play there, everything. Um so that's where I'm from. Yeah, Kings County, man, right here. On Myrtle Avenue, like I said, Patchen, Decatur, all of that, man. Yeah. So we're going to talk about hip-hop, our influences, and how it shaped us and how it shapes the world. Because I firmly believe that hip-hop is the biggest influence there is. And I've yeah. watched countless commercials, TV shows, movies, whatever it is, if it's popular, there's a high percentage chance that there's some hip hop involved in it somewhere. So I want to start off a few questions here that we got and got about four. All right. And we, we're going to go ease into this one. All right. So yeah, yeah, I'm here. the first one that I got right here, you know, as far as hip hop is concerned, something about hip hop that influenced you to 
do something. So tell me about a time in life where hip hop influenced you to actually do something. Um, I would say when I was in college, I was um, doing my papers in college and I had gotten um, one of my papers I handed in and you know how you're supposed to go like quote something from a book and all of yeah, this. Yeah. I didn't at that time, I was like new to college. I didn't know how to like necessarily cite something and reference it. Yeah. So I just would like, I heard like you got to write it in your own words. So I twisted the words around and I guess I didn't cite it right. And they was like, you know, this here is kind of like plagiarism. So don't, you know, you can't put this in there. And I got offended cause hip hop, you never supposed to bite nothing. You know <laughs> right, what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I got offended. I was highly offended. Like plagiarism. I'm like, what, well, are, you like, about, what right? are you talking about? Yeah. Right. So I took that and that actually made me make the decision to write all my papers in college and rhymes. So from since then, okay. for the next four years, everything in every class is all my papers are in rhymes. Oh, and that's, that's how dope. I graduated. <laughs> that's what's up, man. That's, that's from hip hop. Hip hop is still in that in me to be original. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's a a big offense when you tell somebody that you was biting somebody's rhymes. Right, yeah, that was you. Yeah, till to, to this day, there's still beefs that's going on because right. <laughs> somebody's rhymes got bitten by somebody else, and they ain't cool with it. Exactly. <laughs> once I was once that was said to me, I was kind of like, nah. So I my my thought on it was, okay, so how do I avoid this ever being said? I'll just write it in rhymes, and then now. Yeah, you know, it's mine. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way it can be. So yeah, this that's is all my thumbprint. You can't say nobody else's. <laughs> yeah, that's dope, man. I never would have thought to ever write anything in college in a rhyme format. Because yeah, uh, I mean that's that's I was just like I did it once. I did it in um I think the first one was uh People Power and Politics. I actually I posted it on my Instagram like real early when I first started doing Instagram. Okay. Um, and then a lot of people heard about it. They didn't know if it was real or not. But then I actually have all the papers from college. So I, I actually <laughs> have all the all the papers. I actually have the actual grades on them and everything for them and the comments from the professors. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of the things that I would say hip hop influenced me to to make sure I was original because that's what hip hop always does. Right. If you're gonna dress, you're gonna dress your style. You yeah, get the same yeah. sneakers. We got the same sneakers, but I'm gonna make sure I rock them different. Yeah, we got you know you got the same <laughs> hat. But when I come through with the hat, my hat might be like this. Your hat might be like this. It's just, <laughs> it's just like yo, I can't come through rocking the same way right. you rock it. Right. That's the cool thing about hip hop, and that's what it instilled in me. And I took that um, into academics. Yeah, one of the things that influenced me was you was um, talking about the sneakers. I'm I was a Nike sneakerhead, right? Until up yeah. recently, until what recently happened. But anyway, I was a huge Air Max fan, and I did that because everybody else was, you know, Air Jordan out. Yeah, I never really, you know, rocked the Jordans. I haven't had a pair ever in my life. However, that sounds is how it sounds. But I always went with Air Max. But then I started seeing some other cats rocking them, right? Right. <laughs> so I was like, Nah, he got my same shoe. All right, now I got to change the laces. So now I had to change the laces yeah. up. <laughs> laces was a big deal too. Yeah. You did the checkerboard laces. Yeah, you had to you had to make sure you remix it so it's yours. 
Yo, yeah. and, well, it and, would be the opposite for me in a way because I never had a pair of Air Max and I always wanted a pair. Okay, never. okay. Even to this day, I asked my daughter's like, yo, how's the circulation in those? Because <laughs> I'm like looking at them and I always wanted to get a pair, but like I'm not necessarily a track sneaker person like that, yeah. except for, you know, I had some rinses back in the days and stuff, but I still want a pair of Air Max to this day. So that might be something down the line. Yeah, I've always loved them, man. To this day, I still love Air Max sneakers. Yeah, yeah one of the best designs ever. Yeah, Air Max 93s, if you want to get your mm -hmm. first pair. <laughs> I remember vividly, this was way long, long, long time. Hip hop is still in the veins, right? At work, I wore a shirt. No, no, it was, it was a sweater. It was a sweater, as a matter of fact. And I had copped, it was a polo sweater. It was black, it was an Argyle joint, it was black, white, and gray. Thought it was fresh, right? I go to work, right. I see another cat wearing it. I ain't wore that sweater to this day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Long gone from that job, still ain't wore that sweater. I was like, nah, I seen somebody else and I can't wear it no more. <laughs> All right, that's, that's the same problem. <laughs> I was like, that's how deep it runs, man. It is. <laughs> All right. All right, next question I got for you concerning hip-hop, all right? Something that influenced you to drink. What is something that hip-hop influenced you to actually drink? Um, Nothing, really. I don't nothing. drink. Okay, well, no, we're talking we talk about any liquid. We're not going to say oh, alcoholic beverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything that influenced uh, you to drink. Uh, you know, back then it was quarter waters. Quarter water, right? okay. Quarter waters. <laughs> um, and maybe tropical fantasies. <laughs> like that was just in the hood just, just on, the, on the basis of hip hop is living in your community so yeah. culturally culturally at that time you don't have a whole bunch of money when you're younger right, right. so whatever is going on in your community so in our community as you know is all across the globe at that time not across the globe I'll say in our cities in the yeah, states yeah, yeah. you had the quarter water yep. you had the tropical uh, fantasies you would get a a, a yuhu um <laughs> what else was the the other drink of choice back then oh and then you had the the other 50 cent soda started coming out to compete with it um so it was pretty much whatever you could afford that was like 50 cents at that time the 50 cent sodas was crazy yeah the soda game is actually the first thing that i started drinking was, was sprite it was off of hip-hop off of hip-hop right because this was the yeah. commercials grant hill drink sprite grant hill drink sprite and i was like Yo, right. I, and I was trying to hoop. And, you know, in 92, I think it was when Grant Hill, you know, was coming out of Duke, if I remember right. And that's when I started really trying to ball heavy, right? Yeah. So he was drinking Sprite. I'm like, yo, maybe I should be drinking Sprite. So <laughs> yeah. the hip hop influence kicked in. Next thing you know, I'm drinking Sprite, which is a terrible drink now that I look at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, the the biggest influence though from hip hop was the St. Oz commercials. Oh, I was about to get into never, that. Yeah. I never drank St. Oz. I never drank beer, stuff like that. But like the rhymes just for the commercials were even crazy. Exactly. Like the the, the uh, Rakim one was crazy. I believe the G-Rap had. Yeah, like did one the, Ice Cube. 
Ice Cube. Yeah, the rhymes for the commercial were even ill back then. Yeah. So that's how that shows you how big of an influence hip hop had on just beverages, like you said. And then now you see Drake doing one with Sprite, and yeah, you see the other artists um, doing the same thing. But yeah, back then those those um, Saint Ives commercials were incredible. It was like super dope, bro. I did a show recently where I, I covered that same thing and, and I dug a little bit and come to understanding that St. Eyes really had really no footing at all. They came to them and was like, yo, can you help us launch this? And they did. And that's right. what took it off. Just straight off of hip hop, period. No, nothing else. Just right. hip hop took the drink to the level where it got to. And I found that amazing, man, that we had that much star power that they could just say, this is the drink you need to drink. And well, everyone was like, you, yes. You remember, you remember hip hop, they, they had the hip hop even in the Kool-Aid commercial. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> at the Kool-Aid commercial, so they, they knew what was going on with it. So um, it's easy to track if you really think about really it. Like everybody knows, like if you're gonna look at music, hip hop is the number one music in the world. Right. So it's, it's easy to look at it it's just about do you want to take a risk at it and if you're going to do it are you going to do it well enough that it works and i think that's sometimes the apprehension that comes along with it yeah is choosing the right people to do it how it's done because you don't want the backlash of doing it and it's not good but hip-hop is always at the forefront of any advertisement decision absolutely yeah it don't it don't matter what it is it could be a tv there's somebody that's pitching a hip-hop i'm sure there's people pitching hip-hop in a, in a tv thing is somebody pitching that and then the thing about the way the world is now the the outlets are so vast you can do a hip-hop version for samsung tv or something like that and then just only have it on youtube yeah right and then the regular commercial that comes on tv for like super bowls and stuff is not nothing with hip-hop so the outlets of where you actually pinpoint and strategize and choose. the type of commercials change Back then, it was whatever the commercial was done, that's it, because we only watched it in one format. Now yeah. it's like, you know, six second clip, 20 second rap video, this, that. So that has changed. But hip hop advertisements are at the forefront of every product. I, will, I would bet that every product is discussed hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Another one's McDonald's, because I remember the whole thing when um, the jingle. And they got paid, and when I researched into that, they got paid a million. And right. Pusha, come to find out after the fact, you know, years, years later, you know, got upset about the deal, you know, because he, you know, they made more money off of it and whatnot. It was like, that's that's business. This is how they they typically get right. down. It was easy for them to write that million dollar check because they knew it was coming right back to them within a month. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was nothing to them. But to us, I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, in the yeah. first first you know, outlook. I got paid one time to do a gig, man. <laughs> I, I got paid one time. I just got paid twice to do this gig. I got hired to come in. One of my friends was working at an advertising agency. All right. And that advertising agency was trying to close a deal with Heineken. And they actually paid me to fly up and sit in the meeting and then I, I did this whole big thing and freestyled about the entire meeting and surmised it up and just like summed it up so and then that sealed the deal that That's freestyle it. I did sealed the deal and to the point that 
the president of the advertiser agency had me for a birthday party again. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. you're in freestyle, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's being used in so many arenas. It's just different ways that people choose to use it. But yeah. my friend, when he called me to come do it, he was taking a chance with his job. But he's, he told them, he said, if you have this guy, come do it. If you have this guy, Wordsworth, come do it. I guarantee you we get it. And it worked. So yeah. always consider it. It's all about do you have the guts to do it? Yeah. Yeah, man. I love it. I love it. I'm glad that you're able to at least get something out of it. <laughs> That's what's good. <laughs> all right. Next one I got for you, man. This was going to be a little bit difficult. All right. So, so name me something that hip hop has influenced you to actually say. Okay. What is, what is it like a word, a phrase, or something that you learned early on about hip hop that influenced you? It's like, I'm going to use that in a sentence. Um, I, I wouldn't say necessarily like a, a phrase, a sentence. Of course, like how we talk with the slang is always there, still yeah. in the word dope. Um, some kids still say fresh, now say fresh, and that's an older word. It came back. Uh, yeah, it came back. Um, but I think it's just more so it allows me to have like the the courage and motivation to talk about social things going on and yeah. things that um, allow me to be the storyteller that I am. So I'm able to kind of like uh, put together ideas and reality of what's going on in somebody's home or in their mind or in their hearts or in the world globally. So hip hop has really um, influenced me and helped me pretty much figure out my voice. Yeah. Right. So like when we first started rapping and stuff, like in the nineties, when I'm coming up trying to rhyme and get known, it's really about battling a lot. Right. Um, it's battling to get your name known. So you go places, you go to open mics, you go here. So it's about notoriety. And then after the notoriety aspect of it, as you get older and you start seeing other artists, you start having to figure out what box are you going to fit yeah, in. Yeah. And then you have to choose that box. And then that box, you have to kind of stay with it and, and then craft it. So I would say um, the storytelling aspect of being able to speak about things and provide a voice not only for myself, but for people that don't understand or have an outlet to speak about certain things. So I would say hip hop has uh, motivated me to say things for myself and others. Good, yeah, man. Yeah, it took me a long time to actually find my comfortable voice. Because yeah. when I first started, like you said, I started rhyming in, I wanna say when I actually started putting it to paper, probably in like late 2000s. As far as mm -hmm. like, my first introduction to hip hop was late, no, mid eighties. And it was Daddy Kane. And it was Big Daddy Kane, no half stepping. And I remember hearing yeah. that, that song. And I remember listening to it, trying to get the lyrics. And after a while listening to it and I got the lyrics, you know, I started reciting it. And then that's where, you know, it happened right there. And then fast forward. No, okay, I, I definitely remember this. The first time I actually started writing, I was writing down the rhymes of Warren G. Regulate. <laughs> because I wanted to learn the lyrics, because me and my cousin used to love Warren G. So right. I had the album, I'm listening to it, and I would tape, the tape pause, you know, write down what he said, do write it down. This is how I learned to count bars at that time, too. 
Right. So that's when I, I really started like writing it. I wrote somebody else's and then I started writing based off of that. But yo, yeah. since then I started, you know, listening to other people, like who am I in this, you know, then I started doing the whole gangster stuff, you know, talking guns and drugs and all that stuff. And I yeah. never really I never really felt comfortable in that skin because I never dealt drugs. You know, that was never really me. I, I yeah. did own guns and all that stuff. That was the silly right. stuff. That but, wasn't my that wasn't yeah. my vibe neither. But when yeah. I first started rapping, that was what I would rap like too. Yeah, was, yeah. Like, got, the, got the nine and all yeah. this stuff. And I never I'm never nothing like that. But I started that because my favorite rapper was G Rap. Oh, okay. So okay. You you emulate who your favorite rappers are at that time, right? Yeah. So like right now I got kids that you know that I teach and stuff like that. They like Kodak and they like whoever they like. Yeah. But and and when we're working on music or putting together songs, their mindset is um their mindset is to go to who they first identify yeah, with in yeah. the neighborhood. Yeah, so some of the lyrics they start writing, I'll be like, Yeah, you don't gotta write that. There's yeah. alternative. So you don't you know, remember back then it was such a small kind of like micro world. Right. So that's what I had, that's what I thought was dope. That's who was dope. Yeah. So I wanna be as dope as them, so that's what I'll say. Um, you don't get, you don't really find, you got to find yourself as you age and mature, you change. Everybody yeah. changes. So it took me some years to really go like, okay, what am I, what lane am I going to choose? And yeah. then um, well, around like 90s, that's when I started figuring it out. Like, okay, I don't want to just be this guy here for that. And the longevity is in this bag here. So that's what made me choose the storytelling avenue. Okay. Yeah, it took, it took me. You rap, you rap. Have me, have me. I was talking crazy with the explicit <laughs> lyrics. I was out of control. That's what I had. You know, what I'm I was. G rap is. We know G rap. You yeah. know what I'm saying. So, if I'm a kid, that's my influence. That's what I'm copying. Man, yeah, we could we could go bar for bar with G rap. What he got, man? Listen, right. <laughs> between G rap and Nas, but you know my top five: G rap, mm -hmm. Nas. Styles P, Black Thought, and can't think of who, who my fifth would be, but definitely those four right there. We'll, we'll see. You know, yeah, I'm gonna put Prodigy in there. Prodigy's gonna be in my my top five right now. My there. five. Uh, yeah, if you got a five, go ahead. Let me know what the five is. G Rap got to be in there because you don't get the Nas's. And yeah, the you Prodigy. can't get Nas without that. Yeah, and, and even Jay Z refers to G Rap. G Rap. So, yep. so I would say G Rap. I definitely got to say Nas. I got to say Jay-Z. Um, I can say Big, too. Um, and then number five of all time. Man, it's... Uh, I don't know, man. I kinda it's leave, hard. I, I it's might, hard. I might have to leave number five open for a minute because uh, I like a lot of the new dudes. Okay, they're okay. Paving, they're paving their way. Um, I think M M might have to be on there for number five. M, but M not, is an interesting. Yeah, there's yeah, no M, order. M, yeah, maybe no order, but M I think M got to be on there with no doubt. M has to be on there because he made everybody step up their game. Like he, as far as rhyming, like, yeah, M M has to be on that list. Yeah, we could we could have controversy right here because the way I feel about Eminem is I love his music, right? Yeah. I feel like at this point in time right now, he's still trying so hard, it feels like. Like, when I hear his rhymes, I feel like 
this is just me, my interpretation of it, right? It feels like he's really trying to hammer home a point that he's really good. Like, I know you're really good already, right? I feel like I don't need to hear that anymore, basically. That's how I feel about it. I, I still love how he rhymes. I always thought he was ill. But as far as is the content he continues to make at this point, I feel like it's like beating a dead horse. Like, I know you're good already. Like, you don't have to keep <laughs> telling me this anymore. Like, give me the maturity. Give me the growth. Give me, you know, the Eminem that's experiencing new stuff now. Like, if I'm not hearing that, then maybe I'm just missing it. But that's how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I like... I like Eminem stuff when I hear it. I kind of feel like it's always new people. Yeah. Right? Because it's a new generation that will hear how good he is. So I think he feels like I got to do reminders. I think every album is like that for me, too. I always have like one joint on there. I'm like, let me just. Yeah, I'm still at dude. So yeah. I'm still nice. <laughs> yeah. So I think he's more in a, a reminder situation. And um, that's really pretty much how I see it. I yeah. don't. I don't. You know, the one thing I learned is just like, I don't really like, I don't even like to critique artists. I, I can take that, being, yeah. Being, being an artist, nobody cares about what you're going through in your life. Okay. All they care about is when you give them the product. So they don't have no understanding of what it takes what? to even make the product. Okay. You know, whether, whether it's good or bad. So being an artist and, and being productive with doing books and TV shows, all this stuff I do, there's a lack of understanding of what the recipe takes as a person that, to put yeah. it out. So I try to avoid critiquing something. I can say if I like it or not, but I try to avoid uh, critiquing it to a point unless I have a suggestion and things okay. like that. So I try to live more by that. But I can tell you if I like it or not, but I may tell you more of what I like about it than what I don't like about it. Because that's just, um, I kind of find that's kind of where we are as a culture sometimes mm, too. True, it keeps true. Us, we're very negative, man. man like, yeah, about we, we bash. Stuff. I, don't really, I don't really see that in other genres. I'll be honest. If I watch right, an r right. interview, if I watch a, a country interview, I've never seen like a country, I guess, podcast or interview and all that. And they're going at, yeah, he don't play the guitar the way he used to. I don't, I, I've never seen it. You know? Right. So, right. I just haven't. So I try to keep everything in a positive light of understanding that um, you got life and struggles and things you're going through to put together the project. Yeah. There's so many people that will critique somebody's album and they never put an album. album right, that's right. Whole, that's a whole other issue. So, I just I know what it takes. I've done it maybe eight, nine times, ten times. And books, I've done it now a couple of times and other things I've done several times to understand the wherewithal it takes to do it. Process. So that way yeah, the process. I can't really like I don't really critique people, man, like and this like what they got going on because I just know what it takes to do it. So yeah. I just kinda look at it like when people are critiquing stuff. They have to kind of also ask themselves what have they done in comparison right. to to that, um, but also as the culture in in general, um, I just I just want us to kind of enjoy what we like about somebody, what somebody did, and instead of and bashing maybe, and talking about the negative, yeah, I just want to yeah, talk yeah. about like, man, that's dope that you did that. How'd you get that out? You know, I'm looking to do this, and let's share the information from a positive perspective. Because we're already down. 
<laughs> yeah. Like we're already like down years. We're talking about hundreds <laughs> of years of being behind on stuff. And, and we then just we're pushing like, ourselves further down for no yeah, reason. Yeah, and then we just do it. So I'm like, we're mad far behind what other genres as far as people culturally celebrating each other. This is a this is a good topic. I'm, I'm gonna tangent this right with the basketball, yeah. right? Because a lot of people do the the, the LeBron, Michael, yeah. you know, and this is a perfect explanation as to why we should not be doing this. Because yeah. you got a guy right now that is creating history. Just appreciate what he's doing. Like, why are we comparing him to a guy who also created history? Yeah, that they, I, I like them. LeBron and Jordan for me. It's going to be LeBron, and I've seen both. Yeah. Uh, but um, LeBron, what is it, nine straight finals? Finals, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's lost some, yep, yeah, no doubt. He's won some, yeah. though. Yeah. But also the fact that he has a school, and every kid that graduates from that school gets a scholarship You're taking to college. care of that, yeah. I mean, there's like a lot of other things about LeBron for me that resonate with, with me and, like, understanding the the pressure that it takes to do that we're talking about coming out of high school if you remember what what you were thinking like about in high school at like 17 18 you had no idea what (laughs) you had no idea what the world is and to be able to have people help you navigate through that and then make it here it's it's super difficult um to do all of that um but i would say definitely for me it would be lebron um Just being the the greatest for me, just off a lot of a lot of that consistency. Um, he put it down, man, and yeah, still doing outside, it. And still it's, doing it's, it. it's past basketball for me. It's past yeah, basketball. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, he, he's putting in the work outside of basketball, one hundred percent. Yeah, I I resonate exactly what you're saying, man. When people ever bring that topic up to me, I I I. Just digress. Like, listen, man. Yeah. You you seeing greatness and excellence in front of your face, and you too busy looking behind you in the rearview mirror, man. Like, just yeah. just appreciate what you got because it's gonna be gone one day, and then you be like, dang, I wish I yeah. would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, nah, man, it's yeah. right here. Just enjoy it, man. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's, and that's just kind of my vibe with a lot of stuff. I just feel like like. I don't I don't want the. Uh, it's like it's a lot of negative we put on each other about right. stuff. It's, it's just part of the culture. I'm like, man, I don't really like that part of the culture. Because I've been part of the culture too, though, right? Yeah, like, of course, true. I'm a fan. Yeah. I buy stuff. I've been, yeah, I've been, I've, I've bought stuff and be like, yo, this album whack, or whatever the case, right? Or this is terrible. I've, I do that now. If I don't like a movie, I'd be like, nah, I ain't going to see that. <laughs> but I'm not, like, I'm not like outwardly putting stuff out there to, to bring down somebody else's creative flow. Yeah. So I just think like, Let's let's just try to find the good the stuff good. that somebody yeah. likes about something, and if we can keep it in that level, it'll I think bring us way further than we are um, from a genre perspective. Yeah, yeah. This kind of segues into the next topic that I got going on, man. It's about imagery, and what I learned about imagery, I learned from college. I learned from college about how the military would never allow photos of the caskets that come from overseas from the people who were killed in war and they would never allow that because they didn't want the imagery of death associated with the military and Mm -hmm. i was like 
that's powerful, right? And so at that point in time, I started looking at things from the perspective of imagery. Why is it that way? And I look at everything right now that you ever see on TV. It is very intentional. Anything you see, it's because somebody thought it out to make sure it's there. So I say that because there's a lot of times when I was growing up where we were pigeonholed into specific things. All right? When I was growing up, you had the hoop, some type of sports, entertainment, whatever, right? I didn't see anybody in business suits. I didn't see anybody who was in the financial space. I didn't see people who were moving and shaking in different areas. I didn't see, you know, this vast spectrum of different colored people doing things other than what I saw in front of me. So what is something that you remember that changed your perspective on something once you saw somebody else of color in that space? I mean, going traveling the world, okay. landed in countries, performing in countries where, you know, you stop at a a restaurant, right? Where it's, four, it's like six of us together in the tour van, driving on a highway through maybe Germany or another country, and you got to stop to eat. There's people that never seen black people. <laughs> That's and, wild. <laughs> in person. In person. Yeah. Right? Imagine because you've been living in the, your country in this area for so long. There's no black people really there in that area at all, unless you're in the military and stuff like that. Yeah. And we're driving miles and hours into past little cities, but we need a rest stop and there's food. Yo, let's go get something to eat. And you just come out of the van and it's like, it's like, you like an alien, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, snap. Little kids look at you like, oh, snap. I've never seen these people before. So that's been kind of, you know, some of what I could say as far as, um, you know, being somewhere and seeing people of a, another race and stuff like that. But overall, when you talk about imagery, exposure is very key. Yeah. So, for instance, like, I remember I took my students to the Apple store. Um, some of them never been there. Ever, they yeah. you know, because it's so far from where they live in their community, they can't get to the store, and that was like a huge deal for them. Like, what we going to the Apple Store? Um, and they were like, "Man, I got some money," and I was just like trying to get them to see to see it, so they could see people work there, and then they can aspire to actually work here and say, "I've been there." Yeah. So being there, being there, and exposure is like exposure is the biggest thing for anything, right? So. If you don't see somebody in suits, you don't even know it's possible. Right. If you don't see somebody <laughs> right. with this, you, you know, all I thought was possible was the big, big change. Change, yeah, yeah. Sneakers, yeah. And whatever we saw in the community is what you think is what's possible. If you have a parent doing something or have a certain job, then you could be like, oh, my dad does that, my mom does that, so yeah. I can do that. But it's all about reflections and imagery. Everything is. Everything is is reflection and imagery because you have to see it to believe to it. Believe and that's it, a yeah. huge phrase that might be that phrase may be underrated. Extremely underrated. I like I said, everything is intentional. The things I see now, I feel like are done to make sure that it is highly perpetuated of what they want you to be. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I think well, you got different you got different financial gains right so yeah. you got the you got let's say person a uploads it because they want likes 
And that gain may not be financially in that form. It may be emotional finance, finances, right? So it it fills their their heart and their joy to get somebody to hit like on something, right? Then you have the financial person of putting something up so it could get monetized and you actually do get paid from it. And then you got the financial gain of something that's more uh, long term, maybe like I'll put this up because it affects a political standing. Or then you got the other gain of I'm putting this up because seeing people hurt by it also gives somebody joy. Sometimes hurt brings somebody joy. So there's like all these dynamics of the reason why people put it up, but in some way it's still like a gain that everybody gets in this emotion. It's either you getting fulfilled emotionally or financially. And those are pretty much the two territories with with this me. But there's a gain there for each person and nobody's the same, man. So you're going to have weird people posting stuff. (laughs) Which I've seen. Other weird people. (laughs) And and everybody has an audience. You can put, I don't care, you can post anything up and if the world sees it, there's going to be a like for it. Somebody's going to Yeah. Yeah, The the weird thing, man, I watched on Netflix a documentary about about Facebook and how, you know, originally it was started to be this this whole social interaction thing where you get people mm-hmm. together, right? And then all of a sudden after that, they started really pushing it to make sure that people just stay locked in on their phones. So they would constantly right. send you notifications. They do all this, hey, you know, or something as small as like when you texting. They came out with a little bubble that they make sure that you see if somebody else is responding back to you. So that way you stick to the phone. And I was like, yo, this, yeah. this is wow. Right? They, addiction. Yeah, they, they 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 feed into this to make sure that you can constantly stay on this device. So at that point, you know, I disassociated myself with notifications. I don't want all that. Yeah, you know, I don't have notifications yeah. neither. That's wild. <laughs> I, have no, I, 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 mean, I have like, like a text message. That's what's coming through. But yeah. I don't have... I don't have no Facebook notifications. I don't have Instagram notifications. I don't have, <laughs> I don't I don't have Twitter notifications. I don't. I don't have none of that. So I don't know when people are tweeting. I don't know when uh, Instagram or somebody leaves me a message. So like when me and you are communicating, yeah, I'm getting back so many so many hours later, vice versa. <laughs> we don't. We don't know. Right. Right. So I, I pride myself off of that on the basis of I. I figured. Why am I going to put so much time into something of somebody else's creative creativity when those same time, that same time, I can be creating my own oh, stuff? Right, my, right. And myself. So I want to make sure my time is valuable, man. Time mm. is the most valuable thing you have. So Fan. I only check, <laughs> I'll see Facebook. I go to work at, I leave for work at like uh, 720. So then I don't necessarily see Facebook until maybe midday at lunch. So then I might not see it after that until like maybe in the evening. So we talking about maybe twice I see Facebook or Instagram through a, through a day twice yeah. at most. Um, but I just feel like what I'm trying to create needs the time of the nurturing and time of me right. putting it into that. So I can look at other people's stuff and things like that. That's cool. But I need that nurturing and time on my own stuff so I can right. create. Right. <laughs> yeah, you hit it right on the nose, man. The communication we had, I was the same way. I was like, oh, let me let me go ahead and check back in and see, you know, if there's anything. All right. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Then once that's done, 
Shut it down. I'm good. Right. <laughs> you know, you you hit you hit something that I talk about regularly about time because you know, shout out to my my good friend Bakari. We talk about this on a regular basis about how time is the ultimate, ultimate of all that you want to take care of, man. Because you only have so much of it. It's finite. Everything else, you know, can be replicated, duplicated, whatever it wants. There's so much money. Money will be printed, destroyed, printed, destroyed as much as it wants. You only have so many, right? But he broke it down further to me. You know, this this is why I love the conversations we had. You got only so many heartbeats. You only got so many breaths. You only got so many blinks. Like once those are up, it is over. You don't have any more. You can't borrow any. It's done. So you got to make sure you take care of what you have because at any point in time, you never know. Tomorrow could be my last day picking my daughter up and then she'll never get picked up by me anymore. You know, like that's how I always think about every single day. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't think about, I didn't think like that years ago though when I was young running around. Oh yeah, I'm I'm just, I didn't either. Yeah, yeah, I'm running around. You know, I'm trying to um, I'm trying to hit the lotto with my ideas and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm running around and around. And then you get older, you start seeing people passing away. Yeah. You know, I write about it on the album. I talk about it in the album. You start yeah. seeing your stars, your kid stars, and all that stuff. And then you realize you look at yourself where you are, and you start questioning. You know, your midlife crisis of did you fulfill some of these things and and all that. I think that's just reality of what it is as you get older. Um, And then you try to understand time and you're trying to, you know, hopefully spend it wisely and (laughs) be here here with these people, put it into your craft and all that. Um, I don't think you could ever really be satisfied um, Mm. by doing like... um, like you've done it all with your time. I don't think you can be satisfied fully. I think you're always going to feel like you left something on the table with it. <laughs> this is true. But, but you, but you gotta, you gotta, you know, enjoy your time with what you're doing. And yeah. I think if you're enjoying the process of whatever it is with your time, you don't feel like it's wasting and, um, or you feel like somebody else doesn't value your time, then that's where it gets tricky for me. Like if I feel like somebody's like wasting my time with stuff, that's why I get a little agitated. I'm like, yeah, but see, now I can't get that back. It's gone. I could have been on this. I could have been doing this. So uh, I could be with the fam. I could have been doing this. I could be doing that. And um, so it's just something people have to recognize. The earlier you recognize it, the, the better. The more I think, yeah. more successful you'll be. Man, listen, the wasting time thing is, is something that hits home because, like, I, I once I started to realize that I only have so much of it. I make right. sure that I allocate my time wisely as best as possible and value it, man. Like I said, I, I don't know how many more I got. So I, I make sure that if the day comes that it is my last, nobody's going to be like, well, he didn't do X, Y, Z. Like, nah, man, I left yeah, it. I, I left it there. Yeah. <laughs> one of the main things, man, if you really want to think about time is like, you know, for me, it's like, when I was younger, I thought Biggie and Tupac would live forever. Yeah. Right? So now it's been 20 some years and you start to realize like, yo, that's not factual from, <laughs> yeah. from, from them. Those were, I think, some of the most major uh, impactful things to make you realize how time worked. Like, so when we're young then, 
I can't fathom a Bob Marley not being around, right? Because I right. didn't grow up. I didn't grow, I didn't up, grow up with him. Bob Marley, yeah. or or some of these other people like John Lennon and all that. I didn't grow up with that, so it it, it couldn't impact me the same way it may have did my parents or other people. Yeah, it wasn't until losing the biggies and the pops that you start going like, oh wow, this okay. Now I'm starting to understand a little bit about you losing your musicians mm. at a certain time. And, Time has gone by so long, and then the impact of what they put out, and so there's a lot of things that you got to kind of. There's so many dynamics that you got to thread yeah. together. It's hard to wrestle with it at times, but you just gotta, you just gotta do what you do. Yeah, yo, speaking of big man, I like big, right? So we we're gonna talk about a topic here that you know might be controversial, right? A lot of people put big in their top five a lot, and I, you did too, and. I used to do that, okay? But then I started thinking about it in a sense of respect to the culture, respect to everybody else actually putting in on the craft, right? Big yeah. was young when he passed, you know, unfortunate. Yeah. And unfortunately, he only had two bodies of work by the yeah. time he was done. So then comes a guy who has 10, 15 bodies of work, 20 bodies of work, right? And then yeah. you come and you say, you know, Big's top five, right? And you don't put the artist that's, you know, very consistent in there. So that's why I started thinking about it from the perspective of consistency. Like, okay, these guys have been around. I got to give respect due to the guys that's actually still doing the work. Big yep. came and he went, unfortunately, he didn't have the opportunity. It was taken from him to get to that spot. So that's why I personally can't do it. So is there a reason why, you know, you think that other people put big in their top five? Oh, yeah. You got to. You, well, I don't say you got to. But if you think about it, the other people that's usually in the top five all became who they were because of big. OK. Right. Because if you think about everybody's album that came out before Ready to Die or during Ready to Die, after Ready to Die came out, everybody Got changed shaped. their formula. Everybody Did changed their formula of how to put together an album. Okay. I didn't think or, about it from the spin. Or, or, or even the songs. Even okay. the song first singles were different. Even got some of the same producers that Big had. Yeah. Yeah, true. Easy Mo B. You know, track masters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So that big album actually changed how everybody um, made albums. Nas changed how everybody, how everybody can be have more content in a way and be more accurate with their content. True. And I then, can go with that. But but Big's album, Big's album changed how you have your content and make an album. Big change how you make an album. Everybody that came out uh, after Big, big album, after, yeah, if you came out before Big, after Big album dropped, everybody album was different, their second album. They had a different format. Yeah, because he started to do the flow for the girls. I don't really too think too many songs before Big did that. And I could be I mean, wrong. But just selling records. Yeah. Nobody sold records their first albums. <laughs> that's true <laughs> people went platinum after the fact yeah, yeah. like years later yeah, talking yeah. About some of those albums that came out yeah they, they went, platinum went platinum after that like 15 years later something yeah 10 years later right so you don't even get uh you don't even get the this the the next jay-z albums and the, the 
oh yeah necessarily it was written and stuff like that without ready to die okay i can i can go with that thank you for educating me on that because i always approached it from the perspective of just work put in by other artists yeah, but I, I mean, I was around at the time hanging with Trackmasters while while they were working on the Nas album. I remember Pope playing me Juicy before it came out in Trackmasters office. And I remember this. We, we all recall that era. And in that era, everybody dropped, but Big had the biggest album. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's sophomore album was going to be the next big. That's the competitive to be who was the king of New York at that time. Oh, and, yeah. And everybody's album that came out was actually their first single was based off the fact that Big had a Juicy and showed you how to make a commercial single. So yeah. then everybody's singles after that became commercial because nobody sold the amount of records Big sold. So if you don't have Big and um, and Puff, gotta say Puff, yeah. knowing how to craft an album, you do not get the next albums and the understanding of how to make music for the radio. Okay. There's a lot that goes from that. That big album changed the changed the whole trajectory of every rapper around that time in New York. All right. Thank you for the education, sir. That's why you are <laughs> still <laughs> the professor. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. I'll be, I gotta be real. Yeah. You know, not to me, Nas is my one of my favorites, you know what I'm saying, up there high for me, because I, I kinda have some of that influence people say sometimes. So I'm fine with that. But like, that's just a fact. Yeah, ready to die drop, and nobody else was selling records. Okay, yeah, Nas, Nas is my top. Anything that has been shaped as far as how I rhyme now has been still based off of when I heard Nas at the very first time, and that's how I've always shaped myself. Is like, all right, this guy, ooh, I listened to that. You know, I was, <laughs> I was just telling my wife, I was like, yo, is there any other? music genre that you listen to you go like this with the stank flags like ooh, like <laughs> hip-hop is the only place that you could do that and be listening to it and be like dang you heard what he just said like <laughs> right no nothing else you can't listen to no country no rock and be like like this at all it ain't none of that it's just i was like well how do you think they listen to it she's like like this <laughs> just I, think, I think they, they have that same reaction i think they do as if you're an artist <laughs> If you're an artist, a lot of people have that same reaction, you know, but like maybe if you just kind of like listen to a listener, maybe not. But then again, it depends how you um, transfer the information, because some people yeah. are poets and they hear, they hear a song and then they write their poetry poem. That That's facts, too. I've been inspired by other artists as well. And I'm just like, yo, yeah, I, I felt that before. And then I yeah. get to moving on it, too, because I felt something and I, I say it in my way. Yeah. Yeah, man. So I want to transition to something, man. I know, you know, you're in the education space now. And how I got to where I'm at right now is, I won't say it's by accident. I feel like, you know, the world was actually shifting me in this direction. And I was going to get there at some point in time. So, you know, it actually, the inception of this actually started way back in fifth grade, you know, learning about stocks and the stock market. And I always wondered at that point in time, you know, I wanted to get into it, but, you know, I never had anybody around me that was actually doing it. So I actually right. had to shape myself from Twitter and I used Twitter to help build who the people were in my feed, because at that point in time, you know, the algorithm was always kicking people and I always followed, you know, other hip hop artists, movie stars, 
whatever right. it was. You know, that's who it was feeding to me. So then I was like, all right, abandon that. I changed it all up. I just got a new Twitter. And then I just started following just straight up stock and business stuff. So it started feeding me people. Then next thing you know, that feed became local. And then I started building with other people. And I, I started from the ground up to get to where I'm at now. So fast yes. forward, you know, do, did you have anything that sparked you in any, in any shape, form or fashion to, to start into like a financial journey to where you're at right now? I would say... One of the big things was my wife, um, her upbringing versus mine. Okay. So I was Brooklyn in the building. <laughs> yes, same here. <laughs> All her day. Upbringing, her upbringing was a house. Okay. So as we got older together, she was on a house, house, house. My mindset is, so when we were younger, she grew up in a house. I grew up in an apartment building. Yep. So that that vibe, like running around New York, I'm just trying to hustle and, you know, maybe get an apartment. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that <laughs> That's it. So <laughs> as I got older, her having that upbringing of understanding the houses and stuff like that, then we bought her first house. And then after that, um, then I had uh, my youngest and then we moved and then I became a landlord. So then yeah. I owned that house, you know, and then understanding that aspect of it, then um, then I moved and then I, I built this house here. And then I was the landlord for that house, you know what I'm saying? So just like kind of understanding those dynamics of it once I got into it. But I really didn't have no idea of it because my mindset wasn't that from upbringing. Yeah. So it took me to kind of understand that and seeing a different perspective of it from that, from that form. Um, and then also understanding like being real with myself as an artist is that all right so i may not be rapping forever what am i going to do After as i fact. get older yeah right how am i going to transition what what can i do to transition i had this degree um you know okay you know some things was going on with my daughter at school and i was like well i'm just going to go up there and start teaching her class because they wilding up there and uh, <laughs> It never, it never happened that way. Actually, I wound up becoming a teacher because I went to file some papers to actually go teach my daughter's class. And a lady, a white lady actually said that black guys need you in any school, the black kids. Mm, okay. So I said that within those three seconds, they were telling me that I changed my whole life. And that was it. And I became a teacher because of that. Because that was the most realest question ever asked of me. I've never been yeah. asked to do something more, more important than that. Yeah. Um, so that's what made me become a teacher. So, um, you know, those things also allowed me to kind of like, okay, combine this education, doing hip hop, the impact on people and how am I transitioning from music or how am I transitioning with music? Yeah. So I would say um, upbringing and then me and my wife and, and learning her upbringing influenced me in a way of real estate stuff. And then me um, doing music and education gave me time to kind of reevaluate where am I going down the line. So that made me do books and okay. other things like that. So those are the the way that I kind of formulated who I am now. Okay, you know and what? That's pretty much what I am. I I believe 
that you really don't know yourself until you start getting to around 30. Right. And we, we talk about life experiences and all that because you, you really don't have the ingredients to even make you you until you go through a couple things and, and learn and say, OK, I remember this. I remember how that happened. I remember how that didn't happen or seeing somebody else going through a couple of things so you can kind of apply it to your own self and, and, you know, and shape who you are. So who you meet. Yeah. Yeah. All of these things play a part into you becoming who you are going to be. And it takes time. That's why I say, you know, people really don't understand who they are until they're probably like 32, 33. Even then, you really just got all of the pieces to the puzzle at that point in time. And you got to start just sliding them in and fitting them into where they are so you can go. Yeah, this this is this is what it is right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's getting to be younger because uh, we're we're starting to understand more. So, and you know, my kids they understand way earlier now. Like my oh, daughter, yeah. my daughters understand a lot of this stuff that I'm I'm doing now. They understand it now because I'm able to pass it down to them earlier. Right. So right. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of first generations things going on. So like even with me, there's the first generation of like finishing college and stuff like that mm-hmm. and going to school and all these things that I'm doing, but I'm passing the knowledge down to my kids. So yeah. they're aware of these things going forward. And, and that's kind of what I said about like us being behind so much that these are the things that we need to just stay with the positive stuff yeah. so we can get, catch up. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where my mindset is now is also owning stuff, right? So like, that's, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. I don't do, I, I, I try if, if anything, not to do anything unless I own it. Um, one of the major things I got coming up is I licensed a, a curriculum to the University of Miami. Okay. That's what's yeah. up, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, I own it, right? So um, it's videos. It's going to be me just like this, talking to you about how to create, how to write, write better rhymes, how to write better <laughs> songs, how to freestyle, all of that. Um, okay. So I, I I got the videos. I have them already. I'm already like it'll be out <laughs> maybe like February. Okay. And you can go on the website. Anybody can take the course. It's non-credited. You pay for it. Um, and then you get the whole the courses for a year. And then of course they they go back to the school or whatever. And um, so I wouldn't have made that move if I didn't learn from prior stuff. Like right. a little bit more. <laughs> you know, let me sell this to them. And instead, I'm like. No, no, let me that. license it. Yeah. Let me license it, right? Or uh, my mindset is building up and doing all of these things I've been doing to have the credentials and clout to ask to license stuff. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what it is. You got to make sure you're building up your repertoire to have the courage to, the courage and demand to be able to ask those things. So, um, so yeah, let me. I, I mean, it's so much, it's so much from just experiences that, that I just, my approach to things are way different. Yeah. One of the premises about this show, how I started it was your five friends that you have closest to you is a reflection of who you are. So if you want to elevate yourself, you got to either get a new set of friends or your friends have to grow up with you. So with all that being said, who was the friend that you have that helped you elevate to where you are right now? Man, you said it right there. My group, my group chat is me, 
Master Ace, my boy Strickland, my boy Pearl Gates, and my other brother Steve, and my other brother Power. Okay. Uh, and everybody is successful. You know, you know, you got Ace, who's very successful yeah. doing music and everything else. Um, you got Strickland. You know, everybody knows he's, he, he used to be a fire lieutenant, retired from there, real estate, mobile stuff with it now. You got Gates, huge in the tech tech side of things. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He's crazy with the coding and yeah. uh, in software engineering and he's chilling. <laughs> uh, my, my other guy, Steve, the angry merch guy with his little kid <laughs> on EMC albums, he's in the tech world too. Um, and then uh, my boy, Powell Malu, he's more on the philanthropist side. He's up there like helping people every day. If you ever go check out at Power Malu on Instagram, he's really out there putting houses together for people, getting them food, teaching that's them what's about good. Um, So that's my everyday talk to people. Every that's day. Your go-to, that's yeah. us. And that's all the people I've been around for the past 20 years because we went on tour 15 years straight. Yeah. So I've been around them, you know, um, every day. So that's the type of energy and motivation I have on mm. a daily on a daily situation so that's the five i'm five six i'm around right yeah. there so yeah that energy that, is everything <laughs> that gives you yeah. an idea of how, why i am how i am <laughs> energy is everything we got to guard that it's the same thing as how you're supposed to guard your time your energy got to make sure of that man and manifestation yeah, sure. is something that's real that people don't really respect you become what you think i tell my daughters this all the time you, if you want to be it, you got to think it. You got to make sure yeah. that you actually believe in it. You got to make sure that you like, you, I mean, I had a pencil, right? A lot of people call me old school because I write a whole bunch of stuff down, but that's how I got to where I'm at because I would write down my goals and I would say, right. all right, at this point, this is what I want to do. And I'd be specific about it. You call it out. So when it well, happens. You speaking of that, you speaking of goals, one of the things I learned is um, I don't have a goal without actually jotting down or making sure I complete the objectives first. Okay. So that's another thing that why people aren't, aren't finishing stuff is because like a lot of times we just think of the goal the and everybody the wants process. to skip the objectives. Yeah. Right. So when I'm talking to kids at school, I'm like, yo, if you hit the pause button, it tells you all the objectives. You can't, what happens if you just go fight the boss on day one, you're going to get, it's going to get killed, you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Playing the game. So I try to explain. You hit pause, it tells you, you got to go here and get the shield. You got to go here and get this weapon. You got to go here and yeah. get this. And go here and get this, get that, get that. Now you write, you go there, you beat the boss. So um, a lot of people, I think, we just got to kind of just stay on that vibe. of just like, this is what I'm trying to do. To get here, what do I need to do to get there? Yeah. And if you just jot down a list of it, that's how I got out of college. I remember I was in college. I'm sure a lot of people in college, and you just kind of wandering around. You're in your room, you're in your dorm room. You're trying to figure out what you need to take, what you want to take to get out of here. And then I felt like I was in there wasting money. Like, they got me in classes I don't need. So one day I just went to the counselor, and I got this book, the academic book, and for my major. And I tore the page out. And it had everything I needed to graduate. It didn't have no random stuff on it. It said this major, this Requires degree this. needs this, 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 and that. I pinned that on my wall. 
And I only would register those classes. That's I wasn't it. doing nothing else. <laughs> I said, I need that, that, that. Don't come to me with this. You know, that's what they try to do. Your counselor try to hit you with, you may want to try this. Nah, yeah. it's a business. It's a business for them. Nah, don't do that. <laughs> you know, get everything you need to get. And then if you want to do that, come back and take that class. So objectives, man, I would just tell people, it's cool to talk about what you're trying to do, but like, I would like to hear the objectives for it first. Yeah, that I think outline. that's more, more important, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I write down small goals. So each week is what I do. Like for like this show, for instance, like every single week, you know, I, I have time allocated and I say, all right, I want to edit this part of it. I want to do this for the YouTube channel on this day, you know, and then by the end of the week, you know, I'll look at it and I say, okay, now I got the gumbo. All of that's already in there. So now, boom. And then the next week, I apply it out the same way. So I make sure I continually stay on that to get to the end goal, which is to continue to grow. <laughs> you know, right. that's, that's how it breaks down. All right. So I, I want to actually switch this one over to the fragility of life, right? Because the one thing that I picked up on with your albums is you don't curse, right? Uh, a lot of artists... Yeah. You know, they, they say a lot of things, you know, freedom of speech, all of that. Right. I actually didn't start not cursing until this show. And I thought about it in the perspective of I, I want my daughters to be able to digest what I talk about. I want them to be able to listen to it. I want to feel comfortable with any of my daughter's friends being able to listen to the podcast without feeling like yeah. somebody's going to get offended by something. So at that point in time, I was like. I don't have to do it. And on top of that, the first artist that, that I remember, you know, before you was Method Man after that because he stopped cursing. And then I started listening to his lyrics, but I was like, yo, Method ain't cursing. And he wanted the Ellis too. I don't have to curse in order to get my point across. So I, I completely eliminated it. So when I want to ask you is that at what point in time do you remember that you said, I'm not cursing in none of my rhymes? I think it really just became a reflection as I got older of who I was becoming as a man, right? Okay. So like, um, early rhymes, I'm cursing. You know, I'm all over the place with it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm like twenties, you know, teens. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> and yeah. So then I'm like early twenties, still cursing and stuff. And then as I got older, um, I remember one session we did a freestyle session. It was uh, me, uh, Prince Poe. Tretch and Trends of Culture in the booth rhyming. And, you know, Tretch one day said, man, you got to chill. You got to watch how you're cursing it or, or your radio is going to be, it's just going to be sounding crazy. And that stuck, <laughs> that stuck with me for a minute. Um, and then as I got older, I started looking at the people I'm around that speak highly of me that want to bring me in other circles. Yeah. And, it's hard to tell them to go listen to my music. <laughs> it's hard to tell them to go do this. And I'm trying to make it to this level in something. Yeah. Or, you know, do something in the corporate level, in the corporate world. Yeah, so it's hard to elevate in some of these worlds that you're getting um, recommendations for. Yeah. And music has all this craziness in it and you can't even play it. Um, and then that's all, also kids and stuff. You know, my, my kids, they can listen to any of my songs and I want people to just be able to play it and, yeah. and be able to listen. Because at the end of the day, for me, 
the literary work is is more important to me than the music at some point for, yeah. for real. So that's why I did like um, this book for those that don't have it. What words are worth? Volume one. This this is all just straight bars and why I, I write write the bars and explain the reason behind the bars. Um, so I just think it's important to mature and understand what I'm aiming for from yeah. my lifestyle, culturally, and everything. Um, and just trying to represent and understand who I grew up around and what I grew up around and what do I need? And that's kind of how I got to that. Just like, yo, I ain't going to curse no more. I don't need yeah. like, I, I looked at a lot of times when I actually did curse, it was filler. And I was really just trying to fill something in so I can extend it or, or I was upset about something. So I wrote it in there, you know, and it, it, I feel like there's another way for me to convey those emotions. And my vocabulary is actually stronger than that, that I can use different words to fill those spots that I felt like I needed to fill. So once I really, you know, thought about it, I said, yeah, it's it's easy. And it really is easy. It's just, it's, it doesn't come any difficult. I can still write a rhyme just as fast or whatever. I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, right, I said my, my biggest influence was Cool G Rap. Yeah. So we talking about yeah. the person <laughs> is just in Yeah. So being young, you know, with hip hop, it's like, that's what's happening. I need to do that to be down. Yeah, that's it. So cursing was was just in hip hop and a lot of rapping. So I was like, oh, I got to curse because then they're to taking be accepted. Yeah. But yeah, but then as I got older, I was just like, yo, I, I'm accepted already. I'm who I am. And it just doesn't make sense. And to go further with this, I just alleviate that so I don't feel like um, like any apprehension towards recommending what I do. So yeah. you could listen to any album and be like, man, you know, any kid, anybody could go to my albums and just be like, just listen, yo, he's saying some stuff. If I'm yeah. good or not, you're gonna it, the cursing ain't gonna stop. The cursing yeah. ain't gonna uh, make you say if I'm good or, or not. The cursing ain't gonna, <laughs> That's not gonna change your decision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got music out there right now that I'm not too proud about. Right, some, uh, one of my um, in laws actually found me. And it was a funny story. He sent me a text. He was like, yo, this guy looks just like you. And I was like, because that is me. Right. <laughs> and he was talking about the song he was going to listen to. And it was dope and whatnot. I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, this was, you know, 24 year old me making this song. And, you know, versus me now, it's a completely different person. Now, totally. yeah, and I'm, I'm like, I, dang, you know, I don't really want you listening to that. You know, I'd rather you listen to what I'm talking about now. But that same spot, I also appreciate the 24-year-old version of myself because I wouldn't be who I am now if I didn't experience that 24-year-old version of myself to say, yo, you don't need to do that part, you know, because if I didn't experience yeah. it, then I would never have gotten to this spot. Man. Yeah. Who, who you had around you. Like, I probably didn't have nobody around me to be like, yo, you don't need to do that, this and this and that. And it's the same thing now. Now I'm the person that can be around somebody 20 some years old and go, yo, you, you don't need, need to, to do, do that. that yeah. <laughs> so every, everything is about who's around you to help mold you. That's why one of my things is like, you gotta have to choose who you're gonna listen to. And then the, like, as far as who you respect to talk to you, that's a big thing. You can respect somebody telling you the wrong thing or you're going to respect somebody telling you the right thing. You have to make that decision because it's going to take you this path or that path. Yeah. 
Make it simple. Uh, I tell my daughters the easiest thing to do is just to be decisive. Like, yeah. you got to know when to make a decision. And my kids, <laughs> my kids are probably like, Yo, why is daddy telling me all this? My kids are nine, seven and five. Right. And I've been telling them this stuff since basically like two. Each one of them when they turn two and I specifically targeted two because all the research that I understood was that two years old kids become a sponge and they just start soaking everything up. So I said, well, then I'm going well, to influence them at the very right. beginning. So it's there. So I tell them about, you know, death. Daddy's not going to be here. You know, I tell them I love them all the time. Because There's one thing in the community that we didn't tell each other. I love you. You know, even to this day right now, you know, as brothers, it's hard to tell, you know, another black man. I love you because of the social stigma behind it. Right. But now I'm like, yo, throwing that out the window. I tell anybody, yo, brother, I love you, man. I love everything you're doing. It ain't got to be nothing like the way that people were trying to tell me. That yeah, so is, that's, you know? that's another thing about the culture right there. You, know, yeah. you can't tell the brother, I love you. You know, it's, a, it's like a lot of stuff. I'd be like, you, you got to fight gotta that. Yeah, you got to get out of that madness. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I tell my daughters on a daily basis, I love them. I tell them, you know, simple stuff about death. You know, daddy's not here. Not going to be here forever. You know, my job is to make sure that I give you everything that I have. So when you got to make a decision, you know what decision to make because the bad decisions come when you panic. So you got to know what to do when you hit those those parts of life that become difficult. So I'm the coach <laughs> and I gotta tell you, this is how you gotta play. You make the play over here. When you see that coming, I'm telling you, this is coming over here. You gotta make sure you do this. Simplicity stuff that will eventually drop yeah. in your head, you know, at some point in time. All right, so I wanna, tell, I wanna talk about hip hop and positive messages, right? Because you know, the albums of all had positivity in it. And, you know, as we were discussing before the podcast, you know, the music that we listened to back then, you know, the G-Raps and all that stuff, they didn't have those type of messages, right? <laughs> so it took, you know, brothers like yourself to actually translate that and use what was before you as an ingredient to make it into something different, right? So what's an opinion on why you think that there isn't more positivity in hip hop? Um, I, I really think it's just like um, the culture has evolved with the internet, right? And mm -hmm. social media. And then the time it takes to spend online, the youth have more time than us who have maybe more knowledge. Mm, okay. Right? So if you go on there, it's got like 15-year-olds, 16, 17-year-olds that really got time to be online. I yeah. mean, like, they're not working. It's almost like if you spent your gaming time doing this, this, videos, they do all the music, they got everything. It's easy to make videos, they put music out, quick, 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 quick. Yeah, super easy. A lot of, a lot of older uh, artists, albums drop every year, every two years. <laughs> so yeah. the, the ratio to combat it is difficult on the basis of just time. Yeah. I don't have time to be trying to, you know, drop an album every two months and stuff like that and trying to combat a kid or the generation because, you know, hip hop is a youthful thing. Yeah. It's, we're talking about thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids every day just uploading, uploading, uploading 
whatever they see or saw or whatever <laughs> that popular rapper did you got like if you got one artist that's popular right now for them it's like 30 to maybe 100 versions of that one popular artist that has that message and they're all emulating they it some of them not even live that life right because at the same time when i was a kid i was emulating yeah the same thing yeah yeah we just right? ain't had the same media outlets <laughs> yeah the outlet but when you get older i got responsibilities you got responsibilities that would be like me and you trying to do an album every every month. You're like, <laughs> You're like yo, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> like your words, I, I, I can't do that. I against a kid yeah. that can sit all summer to my kids, not just one kid. We're talking about thousands and thousands, <laughs> hundreds and thousands of kids. That's all they do all summer, every day. Wake up, do a song, whatever it is, negative or whatever it is, and upload, hit a button. Don't care about the quality. Don't care about this nah, mix. The internet don't, don't care, care about none of that. None of that matters, right? It's just... Boom, hit it, it's up there, lights, views, 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 views. Boom. I mean, to the point it's it's a you know, rapping and doing songs about people that they killed and mm, people that are yeah. dead, like and nobody can stop it. They do it, boom, boom, it's gone. Up there. Yeah. Do it, it's up there. Now, when we were younger, as we got older, right? So I'm I'm a fan of G Rap. G Rap's older, but then I come into my time and space where I get a deal. I can't even get an album or song out without probably signing to somebody mm, yeah so the, the gate is lifted now there's no gate yeah so now everything could just come in the floodgate is wide yeah. open yeah and <laughs> if you're our age or my age or a little bit younger let's say even maybe mid-30s late 30s you probably got a family or so on so you don't got a time or you older who got time to really do that when you're just basically trying to live life and enjoy your family time you I don't got time to be like, oh, these kids that's like 16, 17 releasing these <laughs> albums every week. Wow. And let me, let me release let me, something. Let me put something out. Yeah. <laughs> because they're not going to listen to it anyway. Right. You can release an antidote album every single yeah, week and it ain't going to do nothing. They're not going to care. They're not going to care anyway. They care about what's in their age range, kind of what's going on. Yeah. So it's just that it's just, it's just too much to try to combat. All I feel is you can still put out music. Like, I just feel like I just could put out what I feel um, is my contribution to um, being positive. Yeah. And, and, and I think you have to ladies, you have to ladies, high, like kind of like hieroglyphics and these scrolls and, and these things down and not put them in a time context of it affecting everything now. Yeah. And if you understand that vibe, you'll just do you. And then when somebody comes across it 10 years, 20 years, maybe a year from now, whatever. They get to enjoy that shade from that tree. They enjoy it. Yeah. And then they, they, <laughs> they take that message and it spreads and it does it. So I think you got to be understanding that life is about being incremental. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's bars right there, man. Because it took me a, lot, a long time to understand that part of life, man, that you... The time and space isn't always now. You got to you got to be able to have a vision, you know, because at some I mean, point in time, somebody somebody did something before you to get to where you at right now. Well, most of the most things that are valuable are usually hundreds of years old. Yeah, they and they impact now, right? So you you got people still like Tupac and they quote him now. They still make movies about him, still do that. And then there's kids that that even now they'll say, "I'm the next Tupac." <laughs> Still, <Right>? yeah. <laughs> 15, 16, because yeah. they just see it constantly. 
or you got uh you know picassos and paintings that are the same thing right we're talking about hundreds of uh, years right so you gotta if you live in that mindset of artistry um not always resonating at the moment then you just give your contribution if it's powerful enough it actually will transcend it'll transcend and it'll it will it will affect what it needs to affect yeah all right so we got i got a few more here right and we're gonna go back to to the hip-hop here right influence right because we were talking about this right when we were growing up the first influential song that i remember was run dmc my adidas and they made a song about adidas shelto adidas adidas had no idea how their sales ended up spiking so much and then they come to find out that run dmc made a song flew them out Gave him a deal, the whole thing, right? Fast forward to, I want to say it was 2003, 2002, something like that, early 2000s. Nelly comes out with Air Force Ones, right? Right. He comes he come to do the same thing, basically, except for he didn't get no deal out of it, right? <laughs> he ends mm-hmm. up helping Nike make more and more money because before the shoe came out it was like 60 bucks or something like that then air force ones come out then boom next thing you know it's like 100 110 dollars or whatever for the air force sneaker so all right we're gonna pit these songs against each other right which one you going with air force ones or adidas my adidas i gotta go with the adidas one because yeah because i i I tried I try to think about the, the cultural impact of certain things sometimes. Yeah. Um, I like the my Adidas. I like the my Adidas. I'm not mad at Air Force One though. I just know <laughs> like I like the my Adidas joint. The beat too. I like that beat. That the my beat. Adidas beat. Yeah. yeah. I think it might be a cultural thing because we grew up in that era. And we yeah, saw Adidas there. But, but I, could, I honestly, I could pick stuff from this, from these new eras that I like better than whatever I came up in. I'm very, I try to be very fair with it, man. I, yeah, I'll be yeah. like, nah, that's fire. That's fire. Then what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I could, I could keep it real. I could keep it very real. I'll be like, nah, that's not good. But uh, yeah, the the Adidas joint, just overall, is just uh, like we say, uh, like we said, culturally. It just kind of changed the game, and uh, I like that beat. Yeah, all right, I'm, I'm siding with you on my Adidas because I, I first heard that I wanted to get a shell toe pair of Adidas, and when I heard Air Force Ones, I never really liked Air Force Ones, so it, never, <laughs> it didn't really hit with me. So I was like, yeah, it, eh. it would hit because high school I was Air Force One out. If you you was? Got the, okay. Yeah, if you get the fragility of life in the. Um, which is so wild because I've shown this to, to kids at my school. Uh, man, this one ain't open. But if you get it inside, when I was, it got pictures of me at 15, I had Air Force One go. Oh, see, this is why I miss physical CDs. I don't have, yeah. I mean, I, I got it, you know, on the phone. Yeah. I just don't have the physical CD. I miss getting that and getting the artwork in the physical. Yeah, I, t- I got everything. For this album, I felt this album was so special. I got I got the vinyl. Okay. Cause the cover, so like in my in my house and stuff, I just kinda show what I got going the progression. on. Progression. Yeah. Um, That's dope, man. So I got all of that stuff up there. So um you know, that's kind of what it is with that. So as far as the impact for me with Air Force Ones was I was rocking Air Force Ones. But back then it was 
the high top joints and you have your strap dangling. In the back and stuff like that. It wasn't the low ones at back then. It was yeah. the high joints and you had to have different check colors. Like you was real high hiking the colors <laughs> of the check. So, yeah, like in here, I got I got the joints on right there. Yeah. So, um yeah. So like I gotta go I, Air Force Ones was a big thing, but just song wise, I like my ideas. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I was Air Max, so that's how the conversion really didn't happen for me because it, it, right. didn't, it didn't resonate with me. All right, so a couple more here, and we're just going to switch it over to uh, one of my shows that I used to watch, right? Lyricist Lounge, which I love. When I first saw the commercials for it on MTV, I immediately was like, yo, that's, that's the show that I'm going to watch because yep. it, it was, you know, for me, culturally, it was perfect because I love rhyming. And I love comedy. So right. when I saw the two finally merge, I'm like, why is there no other show like this? So right. I was upset when the show was over. And to tell you the truth, I didn't even know the show was over. The last episode, I taped it. And it was like the, at the end of it, it was like the vacant, you know, studio or whatever it was at the end. And I'm like, okay, does that mean what's going on here? Is this over? <laughs> is this over? You know, so I was... I'm still heartbroken if you can't tell. So, you know, what, what happened towards the end of that there that, you know, the show, what, what caused the end of the show, basically, is what I'm going to ask. Um, I think just the the staff was different, too, at that time. Okay. So, um, at that time, the first season, we had, like, the ill director and all of that. And then when we find out, find, found out we got picked up, they kind of scrambled and they didn't have the same director. They actually gave us Tom Green staff. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Keep it on the right. So we had Tom Green writers. Uh, there was actually one of the, I'll never forget this, one of the first days meeting, one of the Tom Green writers came on the show. He was trying to give us an idea for the show. And we was like, he kept coming with these ideas. And we just like, nah, nah, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. And then we was like, yo, have you ever watched the show before? He was like, I've never seen the show. <laughs> but he's in the writing room with yeah, us. Yeah, and that's a I problem. I remember Dev Jeff, you know, Dev Jeff was like, yo, you really need to go watch the show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you haven't seen an episode and you here trying to give us ideas. You don't even know what the show is about. Yeah. So um, that, and then we got a director that, had no idea what hip hop was about. Mm. The first director was all about hip hop. I mean, like if you messed up a bar, the yeah, director made you do it over. Yeah, That's yeah. yeah, like they were into it like that. Second one was like didn't even know if you messed up, didn't care. You know what I'm saying? Um, so uh, there was a lot of fr friction and tension on the basis of people not caring about the culture of it, man. Listen. And, and what it was, because you got a whole new staff of people that don't care about the culture of it. They just got hired. Um, and that really caused a lot of issues when you don't got people that care about it and we there caring about the culture. Yeah. You know, shout to Kenny Buford because he was there, um, one of the head writers. So luckily he came back and returned. Um, and Kenny Buford, he used to write jokes for Martin Lawrence. He actually used to write Martin Show. Okay. So, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it, yeah. He's part of the culture. He's, he's part of the culture. Yeah. So he, Kenny would draw up certain sketch ideas and we'd be like, that's fire. And then we would do these ideas. And then us uh, alone, we would 
we sit together and come up with ideas and we'd be like, yo, we had, I mean, we had like 40 ideas and then we picked the top 10. Mm. We said, let's do these. Um, so that's really what happened, man. When you, when you got people, you change out people that are culturally relevant to the idea of the show and you give us a whole new staff of people that don't care. I mean, people don't go watch the show that they're working on. <laughs> and they tell Who you. Who does that? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that? insane. That's, that's crazy. It's, it's basically <laughs> disrespectful. And then you got other people that don't care about how it's filmed. And then, uh, you know, one of our producers was had a discrepancy with the uh, president at the time. So that was, that, that caused an issue. Mm. Uh, it was just a lot of, a lot of things like that, man. I mean, overall, I still feel proud that we made it through two seasons. Yeah. Because, you know, I started sitting home until I watched Netflix. I was like, Dad, it's going after one season. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think nobody understands. Yo, that's not going to work. <laughs> Yo, I got, at least I got to two. You know what I'm saying? Yo, I got to two. That's an accomplishment, yeah. man. Some people you got to zero. Yeah. Some people don't understand, like that pilot don't even take of, off. A lot of people nowadays, I just watching some, reading something about Netflix just canceled something, and it was one season, and that big actors in it, and I was like, "Yo, making it out of that one is no joke." Yeah. So, so I hold on to that because I'm like, "Yo, you know, make it out of one." You know what I'm saying? You gotta make it, try to make it out of one. <laughs> it's no joke. Hey, man. I love the show. You you connected obviously with the right people because when I used to watch it, and how old was I? This was this was what late early two thousands, early two thousands when this yeah, show 2000, was out. Two thousand. Yeah. So this was eighteen, nineteen year old me. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Eighteen. We'll say it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was watching the show, and I thought all the sketches was dope, man. Every single one, I was like, yo, I can't believe these cats is rhyming the whole sketch <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. made me I mean, have to pick you know, my, my game up and I was I started freestyling a little bit more so me and my brother we sit there and listen to it I had a tape so we get the instrumentals just throw them on and we just start going you know and just doing as best as we can because I couldn't really freestyle that well and right. I, I lost my skill since then because I stopped freestyling but at that point I started getting nice and then I started getting out more and you know my, my boys we started freestyling in the car then we start going to other places and there'll be ciphers and you know yo good in there I'm like alright and then you know we start kicking it but yeah man I love the show if I if I could watch the tape I definitely would put it on but I ain't got no VCR <laughs> yeah man. I got them on I got I got the episodes too man so, uh, I got them on DVD though so so, yeah, you, you one up me right there. What's yeah, there? I got some. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's that was a great a great time and, and stuff. So I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed it. It was so many moments. I mean, like coming up with the first skit, and that was crazy. Like, yo, we're gonna do a bank robbery. Yeah, and that was a dope one. Yeah, quiet <laughs> storm beat. Right. So it's like that's huge because. The, the main thing about it was like us writing it, like how we writing this to translate to the world and then making it dope. And yeah. to this day, to this day, the rhymes, you can say the rhymes and it's still fire. Like the rhymes Every, will forever be fire. That yeah. was the, that's the key to it. That was the key to it. Like making sure whatever we write is fire forever. And, yeah. that's, and that's whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? You can um, watch any of the episodes and say the rhymes. The rhymes are still crazy. 
This is a fact. This is a fact. My favorite one was the airplane skit. That one right there. Oh, yeah, the airplane, <laughs> airplane skit was crazy. I remember I was writing that. Um, you know, my, my, my personal might be the, the football skit when I'm just Oh, the football I'm one saying. was dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember me writing that. I was sitting there writing that. And um, writing that in the hotel. This was the second season. And we didn't have um, a house yet. So then I'm sitting at the table in the hotel right now, and I can't come up with the last line. And then fool came with the last. Who came in with the last line? It's the quarterback fake, which great. I said that's genius. That was the illest line right there. The quarterback fake, on which you break. Yeah. It's so relevant to football. I'm writing around from the quarterback. And I don't know how to end this. And he came with that line. So that that just it's so many moments of understanding how to put it together. Together, and yeah. There's it. so many dynamics to it, you know. And then you you bring up the whole cultural relevance again too. This football, you got to make sure it's it's correct. Everything yeah. had to you know fall in place. And listen, man, y'all put something together that I don't, I can't say it never be done because I, I thought there'd never be another Jordan. I thought Wilder, I, I think Wilder out as close. Is 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 similar, but I think um, Nick Cannon was smart because he had television experience. So his way yeah. of taking influence, he knew how to maximize it. Um, people don't recall there was a show that came after our show on MTV too. It was called Crash and Burn. I really they tried to do the same. That. Yep, they tried to do the same thing. It was another show right after I was ended. They tried to do one. Oh, did they use Tom Greenwriters again? <laughs> I don't know what they did, but it was called Crash and, Crash and Burn. If you ever check it out, if you ever get to find it, you'll see what I'm saying. They did skits, rhyming. Okay. They thought they could do it. They thought they could do it. Um, yeah. So. Say hi, Shug. Hi. Hello. How you doing? He's one of my, my youngest here where I teach you all of the stuff, too. Daddy, I got number five. Good job. Hold on one second, all right? Mm-hmm. All right, so I think that's it right there, man. I finished Ooh. it off. You, you finally got me right with what happened to Lyricist Lounge because it's been burning. It's been burning. I can't wait to tell that's my brother. No, that's what happened. <laughs> we got a whole new staff, and that staff they, wasn't they wouldn't with it. And that you know, the caring for the culture. Just, yeah, the care they, for the culture is totally different. Like as Dame always says, the culture vultures. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's culture vultures. I would say they needed a job. Yeah, so they were just doing what they were supposed to do. They were doing right. So you got somebody, that your show ended, because that's the thing about TV, right? That's the real rough thing about TV people don't know about, probably don't care about. If you work on a TV show and you're, let's say, AD, assistant director, line supervisor, uh, craft services, whatever it is, when that show ends, you're scrambling for a job. For a job, yeah. You don't, it's not, that's not like a, a definite job that you're always going to have. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing about it, you know what I'm saying, that people may not understand. So um, that's, a, that's a serious, serious game to, to be in. And um, if you're not in front of the camera and so on, everybody is basically. When you do a TV show, everybody is temporary. It's part time. Mm, that's that's easy. Everybody's part time. Yeah, 
Everybody's part time on the TV show. <laughs> At some point in time, it's over. It's and over. It could be over next contract. You might not sign again. Everybody's part time when you work on TV, man. Dang, that's cutthroat out there. I don't want that life. <laughs> I'm good with the podcasting, man. Like you yeah. said, for for the culture, man. Like when I, I developed this ex, ex, strict, strictly for the culture, because like I said, there was nothing else being done like that. And I wanted to make sure that I played my part in helping reshape what it could actually be. Because as long as it's done, like you said, as long as the rhymes is fire and it lives forever, man. And and. <laughs> This is kind of a story related to what happened to you with the, with the writers, right? I've been working on, you know, growing this. And so I started outsourcing some help to try to figure out, you know, how could I potentially take this? So I ended up talking with this chick and she was like, you should you should do this and, and that. And I, but, you know, it was a white chick and she don't really know about the culture. And I'm trying to tell her like, yo, this show is not going to hit if the rhymes are not fresh every episode like I, I can't give you the same right. bars every single time because at some point in time it's going to skip over that like this is something relevant so it's got to be fire every time so this right. show takes a little bit to create because I got to be in that space to say alright this is what I want to talk about boom alright boom put it together and make sure it's right, you know. <laughs> I'm presenting, yeah, yeah. you know, for the culture. Absolutely, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, nobody, the, the the understanding of the bar set for a rhyme is not understood, right? It's like <laughs> it's. I've been in those positions when people were like, "Hey, can you create a rhyme for this?" And I'm like, "You don't really understand what it takes." <laughs> to do you just this, think yeah. I'm just I'm just throwing joints out and it's yeah. just whatever it is. It's not. Stick, it's like yeah. it's like this integrity behind the craft of it. So, just just like you, I got stuck on a bar just recently. It was one last bar, and it was for the show that I just did for this before this one. And the last bar, I got 15. I'm like, I just need the 16th. And I'm, I'm, I'm going through it in my head, and I'm like, I can't close this one. Like, how do I close this one the way I wanted to? And I had, you know, like three or four candidates, and they just didn't slide with it right. And I'm like, uh, that. I can't let that one go like that. So it just sat. And I finally wrapped that one up yesterday as I was sitting there listening to it. And I was like, that's it right there. (laughs) Finally, you know, it it takes a minute. Like you said, you got to, you can't just throw anything out. It's got to make sure it works with it, man. So. Got to work with it, man. Yeah. So I appreciate you, man, spending this much time with me, man. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks, man. It's a Sunday. I'm chilling, man. I did my homework. I'm in school again. So okay. I did homework and uh, I got time to kind of chill. Vacation coming up next week. All right. And uh, work on some more music. Uh, gonna drop a Christmas record with me and P.A. Dre next week. Okay. Uh, and then I just did a Christmas verse for a song that Ace is dropping, I guess, Christmas too. Um, and I just really been trying to get people to get get this right here. The socks, the socks, the socks. Yeah, yes, look, man. It's a, it's a real book for y'all people out there. It's not no like ten page book. It's a hundred some pages. Yeah, some pages, man. Um, it's a real book. This is the hardcover. The hardcover takes longer to get. I love the hardcover though. If you if you got time, to wait. but um, it takes time to come. But uh, we got some good some good interest in the book to be in some schools in New York and things like that. So if you really want to get a bulk of a whole bunch of them for your 
district and community or whatever, uh, hit me up and I can give you like a discounted price for a bulk amount. And um, that's what I'm about, man. Look out for that uh, University of Miami um, course. It's called Organized Rhyme. Systematic approach to learning how to freestyle, songwriting, be a better rhymer. And uh, so that'll be out February. So that, right. that's University of Miami. You log on, it's non-credited. You pay for it, you get it. You, um, you get, man, it's gonna be dope, man. The idea is that the person I'm working on it with is dope, man. Like you do a freestyle and you leave the freestyle, other people see your freestyle, comment. <laughs> I mean, this is like, this is like unprecedented type of stuff I'm just trying to do, man. And um, yes, thanks for the support. Yeah, oh, man. You know, Forget uh, this came out undivided attention undivided as well. Attention. That came out a little bit the before fragility of life. So I'm just I'm just staying busy and, and working, and creating, man. Yeah. I just want to create, and, and I'm still learning. That's the best thing. The same here. Always learning, man. If you're not learning, you're dead. That's my my yeah. phrase right there, man. Yo, words. Much love, Thanks brother. For me, man. And I want to tell you one more time before you go. Brother, I love you. I love everything that you're doing. You, I love your family. I love your kids that you're involved with. I love your cat, your dog, whatever you got, man. Everything that you want. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, that you want in life. I hope that you can achieve it. And if there's any way that I can help you get to that part, I'd be more than honored to help you get there. Because that's all I want to see is my brothers continue to grow, strive for the right things. And like you said, man, we're already behind. So... We got to help each other out as much as possible. Let's keep it positive. Let's keep it with positive stuff. So, yeah, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh. Road to the richest foot upon the gas pedal. I'm black and investing. I'm a cash rebel. Every day I'm fighting bosses on the last level. Future calling. Still got to listen to what the past tells you. My vehicle of choice. No two-seater. It's a school bus. It's a caravan. We deep looking to scoot some groups up. The better chance I never had. Now I give the youth one. Me and words educating you. Ain't no excuses. Our culture hating is a form of Ku Klux. Say goodbye to those guys. Say hello to new us. Out with the old, in with the better On this stock is the golden trainers to tell you It's in the knot in my soul to win from my failures From the blocks that I stroll, men turn to felons Use that same mindset, we could be moguls Change the block, we the Wall Street is what my poems do I'm doing what I'm supposed to Socks and bars going global I told you Stop, bars, stop, bars, stop, bars, stop